welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Welcome back, everyone, to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your podcast host, Sophie Shepard, founder and creator of this podcast and She Talks Health brand. And I'm really excited because we have a topic we haven't discussed at all on this podcast and something that I don't even know enough about. So I'm really excited to get educated alongside you. So we're welcoming to the show, R. Blank. Thank you for coming on to the show, R. Hi, Sophie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm really excited. We're we're gonna talk to R about EMFs today, a topic that is kind of like who, you know, people are kind of confused about what is EMF, how does it even affect us? Is this even true? So we're gonna dive into all of that. But before we do, I just want to introduce R. So he is the CEO of Shield Your Body, whose mission is it it is to make technology safer. Love that with hundreds of thousands of customers in over 30 countries and having been interviewed on platforms ranging from ABC television to Electric Sense, R is an internationally followed expert on issues of EMF health and safety. He was inspired to create CYB when he co-authored the best-selling book, Overpowered, with his father, Dr. Martin Blank, one of the world's leading EMF scientists. He has degrees from Columbia University and UCLA and now hosts the new Healthier Tech podcast welcome to our podcast so happy to have you (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much i appreciate i appreciate that yeah what an incredible biography here and um let's just let's dive right into this topic of emf and why let's talk about why should we even care about emfs like how how is this even affecting us because i do think people think it's not not real right like there's not enough science yeah no i I hear that. I hear that sometimes too. And just as a starting point, uh, a quick definition, EMF stands for electromagnetic field. And it's a form of energy that's made up of both electricity and magnetism. And for essentially 
the hist the entire history of life on Earth, the only forms of EMF that all life were exposed to was uh, sunlight and other cosmic sources, other stars where the radiation reaches us. Uh, lightning was a source, and the, the Earth itself has a very weak magnetic field. It's how compasses work. Those sure. were really the only sources that were, you know, we're talking about for billions of years that life on Earth evolved to cope with. Whoa. And now so we that, are in the technology age. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that all started to change in the mid 19th century with the invention of the light bulb. And then once you had the light bulb, which is a source of EMF, you needed a power grid to power the light bulb. And once the grid was in place, you effectively had this platform for all these new awesome appliances that people could put in their homes and in their kitchens. And as all of this was rolling out, people are exposed to more and more and more of this stuff. Then eventually, uh, they learned that you could send information wirelessly uh, using these, these same types of signals. So that led to radar and television and eventually, uh, well, and FM radio and AM radio. And then eventually, of course, cell, cell networks and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth sure. and all of that we see around us. So all of these sources are what are often referred to as human-made sources of EMF. And they um, are increasingly surround us. Now, at the times at which these technologies were invented, it was long assumed that these forces, these types of EMF were harmless. They were benign, right? Because I mentioned sunlight uh, to start us off, and that's, sure. that's a type of EMF. Now, there's certain types of EMF with much more energy than sunlight. Uh, so much energy that they can knock electrons loose from the cells in your body. And I promise I, I, I won't get Whoa. too scientific here. Well, but actually, that's interesting to me. <laughs> I like yeah, the nerdy science stuff, but yeah. So that's, yeah, those are things like X-rays and gamma rays. These are forms of EMF. They're called ionizing forms of EMF because they have, like I say, so much energy. They can ionize the cells in your body. Everyone knows that is incredibly harmful, even in very, very small doses. So the types we're talking about here are called non-ionizing forms of EMF. They have less energy than the sun. And because they have less energy than the sun and they are non-ionizing, it was long assumed that they were biologically inert forces, that they were basically harmless to be around. And these are the, the cell phone, the Bluetooth, the, the radio frequencies, that, that range of EMF. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. But about 100 years ago, science started to emerge showing that maybe that assumption wasn't entirely accurate. And in the intervening century, the science has continued to build. But just by way of you know, some perspective on this, uh, my father, whom you mentioned in the introduction, um, who, who was a very important scientist in issues of EMF and health, uh, he was a professor at Columbia University Medical School. Okay. And when he went to graduate school, he was taught this stuff was harmless. And when he started teaching future doctors, he was teaching them this stuff was harmless. And it was in the course of his career where he started to encounter uh, science that showed him that that assumption was incorrect. Wow. And that's what he ended up spending several decades uh, researching himself and eventually advocating and, and becoming effectively a type of activist. So we're now in a position where everything that runs on power so that includes power lines, it includes your appliances, uh, anything with a motor, these are all sources of EMF. And wow. then anything that communicates wirelessly, like cell phones and Wi-Fi, um, these are all forms of EMF. And so the amount of EMF in the atmosphere today is 
by certain estimates, trillions of times higher than what would be found in nature and, of course, of a different type. And more to the point, it is increasing every year because of the way in which we are adopting uh, and, and deploying uh, these technologies with, right. with very poorly considered safety standards. So that, that would be the introduction that I would start with. Now, it is true that uh, many people uh, dispute the uh, severity of this issue. Um, and a lot of that is due to what is called the, uh, it, it's basic. There is a lot of science that has been funded by companies like the wireless industry and before them, the power industry sure. that were designed to show that this stuff is harmless. And so they flood yeah. the, the balance. It's called the weight of evidence, right? So if you put out enough science that says this stuff is harmless, then people can just point and say, look, about, you know, half the studies say this is safe and the other half say it's bad, but that, that you know, that means it's up for debate. But you always have of, to look at who is funding the research. Where is that? Where are those research scholars going? Because yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. and there are some scientists who who do that, uh, who who will uh, do surveys of multiple studies and analyze the scientific methods, analyze the funding sources, and they will find that the higher quality, independently funded science tends to show that EMF is harmful whereas the lower quality industry-funded science tends to show that it is not. And this is, again, you, you hear it all the time. It is, it is the same thing that uh, the playbook that was perfected by the tobacco industry uh, as they fought for decades successfully to fend off regulation. Sure. So, I mean, but, it's, it's but out also, there and every, almost every, I mean, you could probably make that case for processed foods and pesticides and all exactly. those things. Yeah. Exactly. The, and we're at, we're at the point now where, you know, breaking through all of this, you know, controversy, uh, where there are literally thousands of high quality peer reviewed studies into this question, demonstrating negative health outcomes. The World Health Organization lists these forms of EMF as a class 2B carcinogen. Multiple courts in Italy have now ruled it is precedent, it is legal precedent that cell phones cause brain tumors. There are more and more and more of these I examples. I move my cell phone can... farther away from me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the, yeah, we'll get to the tips. That's one of the big ones. Um, but so it used to be controversial uh, to, that doctors should wash their hands before surgery. There was a, a famous doctor named Dr. Semmelweis, and he came out and said, you know what? We should be washing our hands before helping women give birth. Wow. And it was, and he postulated this idea of, what became germs. He was laughed out of the field, eventually committed to an institution, and then killed himself because of the ridicule. And so at the point in time at which the first guy came up and said, we should wash our hands before oh, help, uh, uh, helping women give birth, uh, that was considered controversial. There's a lot of things that are considered controversial until they're not controversial. And just because something is controversial doesn't mean it's not true. And again, we're now at the point where there are, there are literally thousands of studies showing really, really concerning, very, and this is something I'd like to get into a little bit, but a really broad range of negative health effects. It's sure. not just it causes one thing or two things. And the steps that we could be taking and we should be taking to reduce our risk are just super easy. It just takes a little bit of conscious thinking, and you can really make big differences in, in your exposure level. 
Yeah, I would love to talk about some of those like kind of easy tips. But before we do, I would let's talk about some of maybe not all of them, because it sounds like there's thousands of peer reviewed studies. But what are some of the top like five to 10 ways that (laughs) EMF is impacting us? Sure. And and, you know, uh, I have a lot of this on my website at shieldyourbody.com. So we in addition to 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 making EMF protection products, we have hundreds of articles videos. We have a health effects app. So a lot of this is, is indexed and searchable on my website. But you know, one, one uh, set of studies that I uh, frequently like to begin talking about uh, were conducted by a couple of doctors named Henry Lai and Narendra Singh in the 1990s. And they, uh, what they found, and they were using cordless phones because this was the 90s, but the type of radiation is very similar to cell phones. And what they found is that when you expose DNA to cordless phone radiation, the rate of strand breaks uh, significantly increases. So what does that mean? DNA is made up of two strands, right? That's where we get that double helix Helix, that that we all know. So that double helix is two strands. When one of those strands breaks, it's called a single strand break. When both of them break, it's called a double strand break. Exposure to uh, cordless phone radiation led to a significant increase in these strand breaks. Now, when both strands break, when you get the double strand break, that means the the cell will then proceed to kill itself, which in this situation is actually the preferred outcome. Because if only one strand breaks, Mm -hmm. the cell's own mechanisms kick in and they try to repair and recreate that broken strand from the information in the other strand. And that is a mechanism by which diseases like cancers begin to form, right? Because that's where mutations can enter in. Yeah. And is and, that similar to like free radical damage? In those so that stuff? is different from okay. that's another that's another uh, one I was about to get into. Okay. But the, the lion sing science, uh, like I say, goes back now almost. No, it's about 30 years and it has been replicated multiple times, not only peer reviewed, but replicated multiple times by other scientists around wow. the world. So now you get into free radicals. There is research from a few scientists, but one in particular is Dr. Martin Paul, who is still active. And he found that exposure to EMF radiation impacts voltage-gated calcium channels, right? So the VGCCs, these are the things on our cells that regulate how much calcium gets into into our cell. Mm -hmm. And what uh, his work shows is that uh, exposure to EMF radiation leads the cell to allow too much calcium into the cell, which which then causes, yeah, which then causes the type of oxidative stress that you were getting at, and which is a mechanism by, for, for many negative health uh, symptoms. It is. And, and, you know, it's interesting that you brought up that. That's so fascinating to me because I've been reading um, this fabulous book called Cure Your Fatigue. And it's all about basically all about free radical damage and oxidative stress and all the mechanisms at play. And I was kind of fascinated to find out calcium you know, in that sense is one of those, but there's, there's a lot that can cause this free radical damage. And of course we know that that is at the root of so many diseases from everything, you know, basically everything is, is like caused by, or every disease can, can kind of be root, rooted back into oxidative stress and this free radical damage. So that's a huge issue that it's causing that problem for, for all of us that are exposed to these EMFs. Yeah. And it, so First off, as, as just from the description, right, you should be able to picture that it, it's just it's everywhere, so, which means it's ma- it's making contact with every part of our body. Mm-hmm. That's and then another factor that I, I want people to understand is EMF 
but we're talking about really, really, really low levels of EMF. But EMF is how our body manages itself. It's how the brain communicates with the rest of our body. It's how the rest of our body sends messages back to the brain. We use these incredibly low levels of electromagnetic energy to regulate and control our entire body. Wow. And so when you inundate it, uh, and, and again, this is every biological system works this way. So when you inundate it with all of this artificial human-made, very loud levels of EMF, it should not be surprising where you can start seeing these really negative health outcomes across so many different biological systems, right? It's not just in, it's not just cancer and it's not just in the brain. Uh, you have multiple types of cancers, but then you also have uh, the buildup of oxidative stress. You have sleep disruption. You have uh, infertility, subfertility, miscarriage risk. You have all of these different kinds of conditions that can manifest from these exposures. And it's because of just how, how our body is built to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that does make actually a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sitting in this podcast recording booth. I have my cell phone. We're on a Zoom computer. There's another computer system right here. There's a whole bunch of wires and a power strip here. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think, you know, hold on if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. We're going to get to some tips in a second of like how we can kind of manage this. But you actually, there, you yeah, there is a third study that I would like to, yeah, because I, 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 yeah, I don't think we need to go into, you know, 10, but there is a third <laughs> that I think is really important. And this is done by um, an epidemiologist named Dr. Sam Millam, also, also still alive. And uh, his book is called Dirty Electricity. Ooh. And what he did, right, because a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, it, it can be hard to perform these epidemiological studies. And yeah, sure. epidemiology is the study of incidence of disease in a population. And so in order to perform an epidemiological study, you need a population that you're studying, and then you need a population that's not exposed to whatever the toxin is that you're looking at. Oh my gosh, yeah, how would and you even do that? <laughs> so in today's world, how would you do that? Well, Dr. Millam had an answer to that question. So the installation of the grid, the electrification of America, it did not happen all at once, right? Different parts of the country got the grid at different times. And so what Dr. Millam did is he went around the country and analyzed death records from before and after a certain region received its power grid. And what he found is there was an incidence of what he termed the diseases of civilization that did not exist in a place before the grid was introduced and did begin to exist after the grid was introduced. And what's more, these diseases only manifested in areas where the grid was installed. So if, uh, if it went up you know, in New Jersey here and at this point in time, that's when you started to see it. But if it didn't go up in, in Arkansas until 10 years later, you didn't see it there until 10 years later. And we're talking about diseases ranging from Childhood leukemia, that's the incidence of leukemia in children between the ages of three and four. It did not exist until the introduction of the power grid. Uh, we're talking about Alzheimer's and Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, a list of what he calls the diseases of civilization uh, that did not exist until the grid existed. And it is, it is a very powerful statement on, uh, uh, because he did really good research on this. And it, you know, the, re the, the records don't lie. Yeah. 
Wow, that's really powerful. I would be curious to know kind of the age, the age, not the age, the age of time, what decades this was going on and how that might also, you know, relate to other things. I mean, I'm sure these studies are must be very challenging because at the same time, potentially there is the introduction of, you know, we've got pesticides and we've got people eating processed foods and all those things. But it, even so, that's like also causing oxidative stress, you know? Yeah. Um, no, for sure. We're living. Yeah, we are living uh, as you and this whole community knows we're living in a world that, you know, despite the fact that in general life expectancy keeps going up, our toxic load keeps going up and the sources of these uh, various toxins, right? They just keep growing. And, you know, someone like me is who, who comes on to talk about EMF. Obviously, I'm going to talk about EMF, but I am under no illusion that EMF is the only toxin of, of concern in, in our world. And in fact, what I seem to, to be picking up from what I learn and the people that I talk to is that there's cross susceptibility to these toxic exposures. So for example, if you have multiple chemical sensitivity or MCS, you are much more likely to have what is called electromagnetic hypersensitivity or EHS and vice versa. So a buildup of exposure to one kind of toxin can make you more susceptible to negative outcomes from exposure to other types of toxins that maybe other people don't feel as, as severely. Absolutely. And I, I see a smaller effect of that in my client population. I see a lot of mold illness, um, a lot of people with mycotoxins from their home. I think it's like estimated that at least 40% of homes have had a, a water damage or mold exposure. And those are also the same people that are more sensitive to chemicals and fragrance and things like that. And there's this really incredible book. I don't know if you've read it from Annie Hopper called Wired for Healing, where she gets a massive mold exposure, mycotoxin exposure, and then ends up getting the electrical hypersensitivity, the chemical, I mean, the chemical sensitivity to the point where like she had specific, I mean, this is going to sound insane, but it makes sense for what we're saying that she had specific regulations around when people would come into her home, they couldn't wear perfume, they couldn't do any of these things. And eventually she had to kind of rewrite, rewire her entire limbic system in order to function in in today's society. So, yeah. it, you know, I do, I see these kind of cross things. I don't, I don't see it as ex, uh, extreme as that, as a woman, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's something I teach my clients a lot is like, what is your stress load? Because people think of stress as like, just mental emotional but when we actually think about what is hit, hitting our our body and that literally by by your definition of how our body functions there it's energy right there's has to be an electric uh charge there then we start to see well yeah i've got a jerk boss you know i've got a, <laughs> i've got a kid with a cold you know i have you know ibs or maybe a parasite or something and you know, and then I have these electromagnetic fields everywhere. And then I have pests. I mean, it's like, there's a lot that we're trying to kind of dump out of our stress bucket or our toxic load bucket. And yeah. it just makes total sense to me that this would be part of the the equation to start to think about. Absolutely. Woo. So, okay. So we've kind of covered a lot of different things that this can affect. And you even mentioned some some reproductive things, miscarriage and and infertility. I would love to maybe talk about, I, I want the tips for sure in a second, but I, I also, it kind of occurs to me that as I'm sitting here and we're, you know, on our technology to have this conversation, 
like our world is very much set up for technology heavy days, right? So like how can we ensure some self-care around technology? Like how do we have this healthier relationship with technology? Because it's not just EMFs. It's also, you know, the world of Instagram and TikTok and negativity and all this different stuff. Like what, where do you it's see that? Super thing? true. And yeah. And when you get into certain classes of the negative health effects, right? So I'm thinking of examples like sleep disruption or sleeplessness or increased anxiety. Um, it can be actually very difficult to tease. The science is, is still very young on this, and it can be sure. very difficult to tease out. Like if you're measuring higher rates of anxiety from people who are using Facebook or Instagram all the time, like is that how much of that is coming from Facebook or Instagram versus how much of that is coming from the phone that they're on and the blue yeah. light that they're getting and the, the lack of sleep from all. Of, so And the lack of socialization with like the, your peers. Yeah, and, exactly. Kind of like a a whole soup of <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's a really great question. And that's a, a, a lot of what we tackle on my healthier tech podcast. Um, so separate from questions of EMF, it's how do, how do we l focus on building a healthier relationship with technology overall? Because uh, there's no getting, there's no getting to a zero EMF lifestyle. And there's no getting to a zero tech lifestyle if you want to participate in the modern world in any way. And so a lot of it is about setting and enforcing boundaries, right? So creating quiet times where you and your family aren't allowed to use your screens. Um, I, we interviewed someone on my podcast who actually who got a time lock safe to enforce this for himself so he can put his phone what, and it'll depend on how he's feeling, right? So this is an extreme example. I don't mean to say everyone should go out and buy a time lock safe, but I think it's a great illustration, right? So he'll say, I, you know what? I need two hours without my phone or I need a weekend without my phone. And he'll put his phone in the time lock safe, lock it up, and then he has that enforcement mechanism. Mm -hmm. I was talking to um, another podcaster, the bomb mom, who uh, was talking about she doesn't restrict or at least it, she might have changed this, but at the time she doesn't restrict how much her kids can use the phone, but she makes them go up and stand at the bar while they do it. So they can't just lay down on the couch and you know while away the time. Like if they wanna get on the phone, they can, but they have to go and stand up at the bar and do it. And they're complaining about it, but you create these rules that create kind of enforcement mechanisms that by their nature limit your uh, use and increase your appreciation of this stuff. Yeah. But there's other ways that are simpler and more applicable to a lot of people. So one, if you're not doing it already, is measuring uh, screen time, which every almost every device now has built in. So make sure you're doing that. Because just as the famous uh, management guru, Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets managed. Yes. And until you're man measuring how much of this you're using, you may not even realize how much of your time is being spent this I way. I remember when that that feature came out on my iPhone and it was kind of eye-opening and I, I get them on Sundays, like a, a weekly report. And I always feel so proud of myself when the, <laughs> the percentage is down. <laughs> is there like a, an amount of time per day or per week that, you know, we should be shooting for, like a goal that we should do? Or is it just like know what it is and then maybe try to lower it? So down? from my perspective, you know, and this is separate from EMF, this is just about healthy tech. Yeah. It's really about how you feel. It's about optimizing the best outcome in your, your own personal feelings about it. So, you know, it, that would be different for every 
person and what they are trying to achieve in their life. But, you know, you can use your phone five hours a day and still feel like it's not harming your mental state. It's not giving you increased anxiety. Uh, if you're getting actual use out of the, like, it's going to be different if those five hours are spent on Facebook or those five hours are spent on Duolingo, right? Because it's all about what you're getting out of that relationship. So I don't view that there are hard and fast rules. I do think that you need to take a self-awareness. So you need to constantly be taking an inventory of your emotions about how this is making you feel, what you are getting out of it, uh, and and kind of go from there. The one other thing I'll say uh, that I think everyone should do, um, and not enough people do, is uh, my phone is always in Do Not Disturb, unless I know I'm expecting an important call. Mm-hmm. It's always in Do Not Disturb. No app can send me notifications uh, because they don't deserve to. Yeah, opinion. totally. Get it on airplane mode. Get it on Do Not Disturb. Like, yeah, you know, I mean... I, I tell my clients that at least for a sleep, like, please put your oh, phone. So never place. sleep with your phone. Never sleep. There are studies now, and I, I've been saying this for years because of the EMF, but there's studies now that show that even if you turn off your phone, if it is in your room with you, it will negatively impact your sleep because of this reflex that's built into your head. Like you're, you're still kind of expecting it to, to send you a, you know, like wow. a serotonin reward yeah you know now and, if only and, i get my husband on on board with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yes spouses and significant others can be difficult uh sources of i i don't know what but this consultant that i work with has seen her clients get divorced because you know one is emf sensitive couldn't stand the phone in the bedroom the spouse didn't believe that that was the case and it was this constant source of friction it ended yeah. up leading to divorce and it's wow. you know it's sad I could see that. You know, it's interesting. Like uh, my husband and I are very different in that sense too. And I I was actually realizing like he's a creator. So he'll turn on his phone as soon as he he wakes up. And I don't even know if he puts it on airplane mode. I've asked him like 400 times. I'm not sure if he does anymore, but like he'll be on his phone on Instagram or scrolling or news consumption in the bed. Like I'll be asleep and he'll be doing that. And I am just not that way. Like for me, like kind of what you're saying about checking in with your emotions, I need at least an hour without anybody, any friend, any parents, anybody, except for the person, him, (laughs) to be able to ask me anything, request anything of me. And certainly not in the impressionable state when you first wake up of, of like kind of imprinting things from social media. And um, it's just so funny how different, like that actually charges him up to wake up and create something on his phone. Um, Like he'll create these little like morning reminder things for people, which are really cute. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like they don't get my time that early in the morning. (laughs) So yeah, for me, it's not, I gave up social media in 2015. And, and, you know, that makes me feel good. A, it makes me feel good, but it also, you know, gives me this like, makes me feel good about myself. Like, look, I look what I did. I gave up social media. All you people need to do it too. <laughs> and then eventually I realized I replaced at least part of that with what I came to realize was an unhealthy relationship with news. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. so I'd be reading too much news. Yeah. And so that's when I, you know, part of it is using the phone less, but part of it is also finding different activities to do. And so that's where Duolingo comes in. And I also installed this app uh, just a few months ago called Headway, uh-huh. which summarizes best-selling books in like 15 minutes. Oh, so wow. I could, you know, in the morning when I'm puttering around, like I'm not going to pick up a book and start reading 
but you know, I could listen to a 15 minute summary of it. And so I, but it's an example of finding different ways of, of engaging with the technology that mm-hmm. might be, you know, less harmful and in fact, more beneficial because this way I'm, I'm learning some new ideas. I'm not getting the full value out of the whole book, but if I like it, I can, I can get it on my Kindle. And so the, the point is realizing that you're in control. So you start need to me- you need to start measuring, and when I say measuring, like I say, screen time is a good one, but it's not just that; it's a self evaluation. It's yeah. how is this making me feel? How is this contributing to my life, to my day, to my mood? Is it making me feel better for getting ready for work, or is it making me feel more relaxed on a Saturday? And if not, you are the one in control, and you are the one capable of making these changes. It's your phone; you can uninstall what you want, you can turn it off when you want, and and realizing that you have that power and then doing it, that's a huge part of taking the steps towards healthier tech. I 100% agree. And I also can relate to the news thing. And for me, I, I, I'm i very much an empath. I don't know if anyone here follows pro- like human design. I'm a projector. I'm like super like stuff affects me big time. And during the pandemic, we were living with my, my mom and dad. And my mom and dad would want to watch the news every night right at dinner time. And I'm like, you guys know that I teach about gut health, right? And like stress <laughs> and eating at the same time is not good. So, you know, I had to create that boundary and it was like annoying for my parents, I think at first. And I was like, look, if you want to spend time with me, I'll be on the porch. Like, I'm not doing this. If you want to watch it on your own time, then fine, but not during my dinner. Like, or I'm not going to be in the room. And, you know, I just think you're right. Like we get to choose. And a lot of times we just kind of put in this like, wheel of uh, of that we don't get to choose that these all these yeah. individual the tech actually- has become so accessible and while you know certain things cost a lot of money in the grand scale of things you know so cheap and so accessible that these experiences start pervading everything yeah so what used to be for lack of a, a better term a safe space or a calm space now has 15 different triggers in there, whether it's the, the smart speaker or your fridge now has an attitude because it's hooked up with smart or, you know, <laughs> the cell phone that's laying around or whatever it is. And so all of these spaces that used to be quiet and serene and peaceful, increasingly they, they, you have intrusions from technology. And so again, the key is to remember that you are actually the one in control of this, at least when you're in your own home and you really should be uh, taking advantage of the fact that that you are the master of that domain and and you can sculpt your relationship with technology in such a way that it benefits you instead of detracting from your quality of life. Yeah, I love that. Um, I would love to transition over to in terms of we're kind of talking about, you know, uh, self-care in, in relationship to technology. How do we what are some of the things you mentioned moving your phone away farther from you yeah. and probably not keeping your phone in even in the room, it sounds like um, when you're sleeping. So what are some things people can do that are easy uh, for reducing EMF exposure specifically? Sure, sure. So there's two key rules. One is you up uh, and the, the, the first one's very obvious, which is use less EMF emitting technology. Right. So Sure. Um, and, and again, like I said, it's obvious, but there's a whole lot of ways where you can be doing that. So first off, you know, they keep trying to sell you all these new smart things, smart this, smart that. You don't need it, right? So the example I like giving for this case is a smart fridge. Uh, every time I go to the store, right, they're trying to sell me a smart fridge. I can't think of a single use case that makes that a smart decision. Um, So that's an example of like, we have a perfectly good technology 
let's keep that one and let's not pay extra and get this smart fridge that's now also more sources of emf in our lives um so that's 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 one that i like giving another example by the way um is smart tampons uh which yeah everyone whenever i bring this up people are shocked that these exist yeah (laughs) this exists and obviously it goes in a very vulnerable part of the body um and so this is one of these things so they're, they're they keep trying to market all of this smart tech to you basically if there's a reason for you to get a piece of smart tech then get that piece of smart tech but don't just get it because someone's trying to sell it to you and you're, and you're kind of mindlessly just buying new smart tech yeah. which 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 is what a lot of people do that's how right. because I, I grew up in you know in an era where technology was seen as this amazing i mean it still is seen as an amazing thing but it was basically seen as you can't do any bad like mm-hmm. if there's this new piece of tech out it's awesome and you want to buy it especially yeah. if apple's making it right it's kind of changed now where it it tech has gotten so big and it's so pervasive that you know you really have to start exercising some discretion in terms of which aspects of it you want to 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 buy and and support and and bring into your life those are just some examples another example of using less of this stack tech is turning off your wi-fi when you go to sleep right yeah. so it's not necessarily not buying it but mm-hmm. just only turning it on when it needs to be on and so turning off your Wi-Fi when you go to sleep is a really great tool. Uh, it's one of my top two tips that I give people. And sure. a big number of those people come back and say, basically that same night, they start sleeping better. By wow. the way, this is true. Even if you're in an apartment building and when you, you turn on your Wi-Fi and you see like 30 networks, yeah. and you're like, why bother turning mine off? Sure. And the reason it's true has to do with the second key rule of emf protection right so i said the first was using less emf tech how close it is to your body <laughs> the second is is how close it is to your body and the reason for that is the power of emf radiation diminishes exponentially with distance right so what does that mean in practice that means if you have your phone and it's an inch away from your body and you double that and it's now two inches away from your body the power of your exposure to that radiation has gone down 75%. And it does that for every doubling. Wow, That's how EMF radiation works. And that's exactly why never carrying your phone on your body or holding it up to your head, that is the number one tip that I give people. Mm -hmm. Because even as you have all of, like we said, you turn on your Wi-Fi, you see 30 networks. You look out your window, you see five cell towers. Even as we have all of these sources around us, these cell phones are so high powered and they are on our bodies so much of the time that between the power level and the duration of the exposure, even with everything else out there in the world that we're increasingly like, oh my God, I'm so worried about it. It's for a lot of people carrying your phone in your pocket or your bra can be one of the biggest, if not the biggest source of your own personal exposure. So stopping carrying your phone in your pocket or, uh, or your bra or holding it up onto your head. That is the number one thing that people can do. Alternatively, uh, putting it into airplane mode while you're doing it, right? So if yeah. you have to carry it in your pocket, put it into airplane mode first, and then you're essentially eliminating all of these emissions off of the device. So those are the big things. And then, uh, so it's minimize your use of EMF emitting tech, uh-huh. maximize the distance between the tech and your body when it is in use. Okay. And then it's after that, 
where once you reduce your exposure, those are the two best sets of things to do is, is basically eliminating the exposure in the first place. But after that, once you've taken those steps, that's where EMF protection products can come in. And so I, I mentioned carrying your phone uh, as being a really important uh, activity to avoid or to yeah. reduce. So you say, don't carry your phone in your pocket. And, and some people will say, well, where am I supposed to carry it? Right. Like, I, what am I going to do? Like, um, you know, put it on a crown on top of my head. Like, you know? yeah, no, that's not much better. <laughs> yeah. Not so, better. Like, what are we going to do? So that's where I, so I make a growing line of pouches and bags designed specifically to make it safer to carry your phone. And so in, in these, the back of the, the pouch or the bag is lined with radiation shielding. The okay. front isn't. And so that, uh, that the, the radiation shielding deflects the cell phone radiation away from your body. Uh, but the fact that the front of the bag isn't shielded means your phone can still work. It can still send and receive calls and texts and so forth. Mm. So we have the phone pouch, we have the pouch deluxe, we have the sling bag, we have the backpack, and we have, we have more of these coming into our catalog next year. And it's because I view that, and, and we have more than this in our catalog, but I view this as the number one most important use case that people can really make a difference in their overall exposure. So that's what I would, I would, you know, stop carrying your phone in your pocket or your bra, or if you can't or won't stop doing that, then get, you know, like one of my products, like the SYB phone pouch or the SYB sling bag or something like that. Yeah. I know there's a lot of those different types of products out there and some of them are, are not as good as others. I understand. So <laughs> it's good to know that you are making that because obviously you've been studying this for a long time. So I'm sure you've tested it and, and can see Yes. That. So we have independent lab testing for all of our products. I also have a, a uh, I forget how long, it's like a 70 page guide that I've written uh, for people to uh, show them how they can test my claims for themselves at home with mm -hmm. equipment that they can buy. So yes, we take, we take testing uh, and product claims very, very seriously. Yeah, we love that uh, transparency because that's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, I even bought one. I didn't know like that it was terrible. <laughs> I tested it with one of those like I think it was like a radiation or a Wi-Fi tester thingy and mm -hmm. it didn't do anything. And I was like, oh man, that was totally a waste of 50 bucks or, or whatever. So this is actually good to know that you guys sell this stuff. And I do have one other question for you sure. that um, I've always wondered is what about your headphones? Cause I see you're plugged in. So is Bluetooth like the worst thing ever? Those little like Apple things yeah. in your ears. So yes, Bluetooth, I strongly advise against Bluetooth. Bluetooth is the same kind of radiation as Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, and it's, it's lower powered, but you tend to, you know, people, all these people with their AirPods and everything, Yeah. they put it right there in their ears, uh, right. which is a very vulnerable part of your body, not only because of the proximity to the brain and eyes, but also because that's a part of the head that has no natural shielding, right? There's, there's a hole in the skull. That's how your ears can work is there's holes in the skull. <laughs> And so that eliminates even the limited amount of natural shielding that you would have. Yeah. And again, you know, people don't tend to use them for a minute and then put them away. They're using them for hours every day. Yeah. And this stuff, it's just, it's released without any long-term, like AirPods have existed for, I, I forget how long, four years now, something yeah, like that. How can you know what that does after using it for 10 or 20 years? Right. You can't because no we are the guinea pigs in these experiments. And so they release the technology and then it's 10, 20, 30 years later, yeah. we realize what it does. But by then, you know, we're already on to 15 other kinds of crazy technological <laughs> exposures. Yeah, so I always use wired headsets okay. uh, or if you're on your phone, speakerphone is, is good. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we also make anti-radiation headsets. Oh, cool. So these are called air tubes. But the most important thing is, is not using Bluetooth. Good to know. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I just I just finally got away from the um, Apple pot, AirPods or whatever um, and got some headsets. They, could, they can be Bluetooth, but they do plug in and I actually would prefer that. So thank you for telling me that. Um, I no personally have like, pleasure. learned a lot from this episode and I feel like there's so many. It sounds like there are just like these really free, easy ways to reduce this exposure. And again, if, if not, you can always look up um, ours company and we'll link it in the show notes. If you're like, yeah, that's cool, but I'm going to keep carrying it in my pocket. Maybe you spring for one of these or, you know, put it on your your Black Friday uh, wish list or something like that. So, well, cool. Is there any other anything else that you wanted to share with everybody before we wrap up the podcast today? No, I just, yeah. Thank you so much, Sophie, for for the opportunity. Uh, to come chat with you and uh, reach your audience. I do want to really just as a last a last statement, reinforce for people the amount of control that you actually do. Uh, we were talking earlier about the, you know, crazy amounts of toxins in, in the atmosphere and in the world today. And, you know, some of them are just in, there's like, what are you going to do yeah, about them? Other, you know, hard. short of changing the world yeah. with EMF. That isn't the case, right? I mean, there's a lot that really should be done in terms of safety standards and the government should be protecting us more than they are on a lot. Of, but even, even given that, because of the nature of EMF, there is a tremendous amount that you can do just by focusing on your own personal relationship with the technology that is in your life. And you can make massive reductions. The goal is not zero EMF. That is that is a crazy goal that would not it's just not feasible in today's world but you can make really massive reductions just by tweaking your relationship with the technology in your life and it'll bring all sorts of other benefits as well i love that message because that's very much in line with my brand and everything i teach my clients is you are in the driver's seat you're in control you get to choose and it's one step at a time. Like, you know, maybe you already bought a water filter and you eat organic. So maybe this is the next thing you do. You turn your phone on airplane mode. Every little bit helps and um, you're in the driver's seat. So I love that message. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this amazing information and education. As always, it's it's just a pleasure to interview new people and learn what the good is that you're doing in the world. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and go check out ours company. We're going to link it in the show notes and I'll see you guys in just a couple weeks. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.